The Resilient Disciples podcast is powered by Awana. Now more than ever, we are committed to raising up the greatest generation of disciples that this world has ever seen. Invest in the future of the faith at awana.org slash more than ever. Well, here we go. Thank you for listening. This is the Resilient Disciples podcast powered by Awana. I'm Ross Cochran, and I'm glad you're here. The pandemic brought a whole host of new challenges for churches to navigate. But today, I want to talk about a challenge that most ministries have been trying to solve for a long time. Volunteers. Specifically, how do ministries gather, empower, and retain volunteers And what keeps a volunteer, or maybe a better title would be a co-leader, coming back and being passionate about the mission? In the world of children's ministry, the challenge around volunteers is a constant thorn in the side of many leaders. And yet around Awana, we hear from those who have been invested in their ministries, faithfully serving for decades. How does this happen? How can a church build a culture where the parent who says yes to serving one time feels as bought in on the mission of resilient child discipleship as the lead pastor. To begin to answer that question, I want you to hear from the folks at Appleton Alliance Church. To be clear, I can't solve all of your challenges around your volunteers at one podcast, but you'll hear how the folks from Appleton Alliance Church are deeply passionate about reaching the kids in their communities with the love of Jesus and how the culture of investing in kids has spread to their entire church. During this conversation, you're going to hear from Chris Small, the director of Discovery Land Global at Appleton Alliance, as well as two of the leaders in the ministry, Jason, who you're going to hear from first, and Tammy, who serves their special needs community. Special thanks also to Melanie Hester, who joined me for this conversation and introduced me to the folks at Appleton Alliance. Thank you for listening. Here is episode five of season two of the Resilient Disciples podcast. I really look at my class as an extension of my family. And that includes my leaders that I that I work alongside and work with. And Chris has really treated us like that as well. And everyone here at Appleton Alliance, we're a big family. And when she says, you know, we bring things together, we collaborate, we figure things out pretty quick because we're looking at all those different angles. What are parents going through? I mean, just last two weeks ago, I was asked, hey, you got three kids. Do you have enough technology to get them on the small groups at seven o'clock? We got to figure this out, you know? Uh, our biggest concern was finding a quiet place for me to go lead my fifth graders, you know? So, but it was, it was awesome. And then I think about everything and that's how we approach kids ministry. We have love in our heart. We're focused on Jesus and how can we spread the message to the ends of the earth through what we're doing here? And it's been, it's been awesome to see as a parent, but then also to experience it, it's completely transformed me. So when leaders are questioning, should I continue? know that what you're doing is transforming a future generation that's going to come in right behind you and do the exact same thing you're doing and probably do it better. So that's okay. Just live with that. But they're going to put their own spin on it and they're going to make it really special for the next generation and keep the message alive and keep spreading the love that Jesus has showed to us every single day. I go back home once a year to where I grew up, a really small rural community, 1,200 people in central Wisconsin, Really not a whole lot going on there, but the church there, third through sixth grade, when I show up and and help teach a lesson once a year, we get maybe 11 kids. 
but we're doing the same stuff that we'd be doing with our 70 to 80 fifth graders that we'd get on a average Sunday here at Appleton Alliance. And I'm telling you, it, it, it resonates. It doesn't matter where you are in this country. Kids want to be loved on. They want to be shown the way they want to be. They want their curiosity. They want it quenched. They want to know more about God and, and why they're here. They, they want to know the truth. Kids really do want to know the truth. Amen. And we can meet that no matter what size church you are. If you're 100 people or 4,000, it doesn't matter. It's really going out there and, and being bold and, and putting the message out there for them to learn. Amen. We talk a lot about uh, leaders and volunteer retention rate and this sort of struggle. And you guys have all obviously created from and benefited from an entirely different culture in your ministry. And I want to talk about that. But Melanie, from a broader Kidman perspective, why do you feel like this is an issue that plagues so many churches? Oh, man. Well, keeping retaining, I'm saying the same thing, but retaining volunteers is often one of the most talked about things in the children's ministry world. Um, Sometimes because it's a a clear need and other times because... um, I think sometimes it's just easier to talk about than some of the other things that actually need to be talked about. If I'm, if I'm honest, um, but, but that's a whole different podcast episode. Um, but I think when it comes to volunteers, um, the, the ones there, there's a couple of things that I think have to be locked into when it comes to keeping those volunteers. And, and the first one of those is, um, just seeing, seeing who is available and who's willing to serve. Right. And, and, and as a part of seeing who's available, it's, it's finding out, um, what they're gifted in and what their specific season of life allows them to serve in. And, and so often I know that when I was a children's director back in Colorado Springs, I looked at my ministry and I was like, okay, I'm going to piece this out. Okay. And so now I have 12 volunteer roles that I need to fill. And it wasn't until I couldn't fill those slots that I realized that maybe I needed to stop looking at it as the role that needs to be filled. And I needed to start looking at those that were willing to help and build roles out of that. And, and while I was a, I was, I was young and I've learned a significant amount and have a whole lot more to learn still. Um, I just began to see that, that perspective shifts and changes when you look at seeing your volunteers as, um, those who are coming alongside in the mission that the church has and creating and sustaining a ministry that God has laid forth for you as a church to accomplish. And then, and then seeing what we as a team need to do to make that happen. And so, um, yeah, I think from, from that wider, bigger perspective, I think that while volunteers, um, while volunteers gets talked about a lot, I think there's a lot of tools and strategies of like, well, you just need to invite them and you need to do this. And I think it's just so much more complex. And, and in my opinion, I think it comes down to, um, there has to be exactly what Chris has just talked about, a clear mission, vision, and strategy of what we're doing in the community and why. There has to be a care for those who are coming alongside, a, a posture of, of listening that says, so why do you want to serve and how, how can we do this together and potentially think outside the box to equip that person to do what they feel like God's calling them to do? 
And then I think the third is um, the willingness as a leader to identify when something is outside of what your church needs to be accomplishing so that you're not taking the volunteers that you have and stretching them too thin. Um, but yeah, that's, again, that's, no, that's a great my, list. yeah. Well, I, I, I asked the question because I think it's exactly what you referred to. I sometimes worry, you know, in resilient the book, Valerie Bell makes the point about how she really wants to just use the word like leaders like kid bin leaders, like wants to sort of shift away from volunteers. And obviously that's a handle, right? Like that, that's, but the reason is because um, I think volunteer com- sort of communicates a sort of optional, like until something better comes along. And the culture that you guys are talking about is a culture that you, you guys could have gone to something else. You guys could have gone to do some other ministry option within the church or, you know, the next sort of shiny, uh, feel-good volunteer opportunity. And you've continued to show up. Thanks for listening. We'll be right back. I want to tell you about one of my favorite organizations that cares about kids. For nearly 50 years, MOPS, that's Mothers of Preschoolers, has gathered and supported MOPS. My wife has been involved in MOPS, and they believe in the simple but radical idea that remarkable things happen when moms come together. MOPS has practical tools and resources to help all moms, not just moms of little kids, with all of their needs. MOPS partners with churches and organizations from around the globe to equip and encourage moms in more than 68 countries. This global pandemic has created an opportunity to gather moms everywhere, and that's why MOPS has started Mama Meetups. Mama Meetups are online communities of 8 to 12 moms who gather twice a month to share their lives and parenting journeys. You can find groups for moms of kids with special needs, working moms, blended families, teachers, first-time moms, and so much more. Mama Meetups are the place to be, and MOPS is excited to help moms connect all over the world in this new way. You can join a Mama Meetup and you can reclaim your joy, strength, and courage like never before. Mops is calling it a comeback and you can visit mops.org to learn more. But Tim, I want to ask you, what keeps you coming back? Um, what keeps you serving in the way that, uh, the way that you keep serving? Well, my background is as an occupational therapist in schools. And um, so I worked with the same population, but the difference was is these kids were hurting. You know, there was trauma, there was just so much that was going on. I couldn't tell those kids, you know, if, if your dad's not there, but I know a heavenly father that will never leave you. That wasn't something that I could bring to them. And I was realizing more and more that the kids that were um, needing to have therapy, that that they had so much more in their plates, that we were having a hard time having any kind of impact even with therapy because of, of the trauma, because of everything that was going on in their lives. They needed Jesus. And so that's why I made the switch to doing what I do. That's why I came to Appleton Alliance as the special needs coordinator. And what brings me back is watching kids that, Oftentimes people think because they have an intellectual disability, they can't make that decision. But we see the power of the Holy Spirit at work. My volunteers have story after story 
of the things that they've seen that can only be the work of the Holy Spirit. Kids that are nonverbal, praying for their friends. We can't necessarily understand. Sometimes we can, but we can't necessarily understand what they're saying audibly. But you can see the connection, that, that powerful connection as they pray for each one of their friends that they're making connections with one another and they're making connections with God. They can tell me things about the wordless book that I know if I asked them questions in school about the same types of things, I wouldn't get those answers. That's God. That's the Holy spirit. And that is why I do what I do because kids that have special needs need Jesus just as much as any other kid. Mm. And so that's what brings me back. I love what I do. That's beautiful, man. Well, I just, I, you know, it's a ministry that's close to my heart and it's a ministry that I feel like <laughs> the sort of ideal scenario for coronavirus is that folks have done what you guys have done, right? That you have recognized that your mission hasn't changed and you've leaned in and you've loved your family's heart during this time. Um, Valerie uses an expression, loved people to Jesus. And you guys have loved Jesus to people well, or loved people to Jesus well. Secondarily, I hope that people, it's given people space and time to sort of evaluate and think and one of the areas that I hope a lot of churches are thinking about is how can we serve our special needs population in our community? So I'd love to hear that that's something that's so close to your heart and that you're doing well. One of the things that's really exciting to me, uh, uh, being out of WANA, but being the sort of new guy, is that I'm coming into a WANA at a time where we have never had <laughs> less ability to be prescriptive. I think there's the sort of perception from a WANA that is not true, that has never been true of, oh, we'll just tell you what to do and you just do the thing. Right. But what we've all, what our heart has always been and what has become increasingly the only way to operate is what you have done in your community, where you've taken something from Wana and you've adapted it and applied it to your people and your families and you are doing it really, really well. You have clearly been you have clearly created something and I'll, you know, glory to God and all appropriate qualifications there uh, that people keep coming back and recognizing that this mission is worth it, that the, the blood, sweat and tears that they're pouring into the ministry. Um, that they are seeing God at work. And that is a beautiful thing. Um, but we also know that leader retention doesn't just stop at the volunteer sort of coordinator level, right? That there's also a lot of churches that have had seven or eight uh, kid ministry leader folks in the past six or seven years, right? right? You are someone who has invested deeply in this community. I think you said 26 years at the beginning of our conversation. 26 years, great. And the job title has changed and the community has changed and the ministry has changed, but you have kept coming back. What keeps you coming back uh, to what you're doing? Because I think you at the sort of the top of that organizational chart, sure. I think it matters to folks, no matter the church size, no matter what the, their volunteer or their leader team looks like, that I think really also helps speak to why your church is doing this so well. You, you know, I think, I think when I really think about that, I really believe that God can work in the life of a kid. I mean, when I look at a kid in the eyes, I'm like going, I just get so excited because I, I, I know that when a kid is saved, the Holy Spirit is inside of them and he is at work. And there's not many people that are out there. They, some people come into children's ministry looking as a stepping stone out. I'm like, you cannot do that. I mean, it just that that drives me to keep going and going and going. Cause you know, again, I work at the senior leadership level of our church. I, I work at many different, different levels, but what keeps me going 
and gets me back here every single week is those kids that I see who, who are the testimonies that I hear of kids standing firm who are, who are witnessing in the schools or who, who are sad to say leading their parents spiritually. Mm. That just fires me up so much. And I, and I, when you see these kids and there's, and there's right and wrong and you see these kids running after, after the, the righteousness of God, that's what keeps me going. It's, it's a calling. It's, children's ministry is a calling. It cannot be a job. If it's a job, just quit now. Just shut the door, walk out now. But if it's a calling, you are going to be in it long term because God created you before time. That's Ephesians 2.10 verse, right? He created you before time with this fire that's within you that you're going to fight. And children's ministry is one of the biggest battles, spiritual battles over a soul of a kid. Is, is the biggest, right? Because you got the whole life ahead of them. And to go into that, and you, you have to have the calling, and you have to have a prayer team. I mean, I have about 10 people that it's my personal prayer team, that they pray for me every single week. I send out prayer requests, and they're praying over me. I couldn't do this by myself, right? And it's, and, you know, it's part of leadership, too. God has surrounded us with some of the best volunteers in the world happen to come here to Appleton Alliance Church, right? The talent and the gift and the skills and all that stuff. We just been blessed with it. Um, it's a God thing. And you know, part of me too, I know this church is, I don't know how old it is. It's probably like 75 years old. I'm not even sure. But I know that, that when they started this camp or originally when they started this church, I have no doubt that they were on their knees praying for the kids and the children's ministry of this church for the future. And I'm just part of it. I'm just part of this, this prayer line that God placed me at this church for this season of life. And I know someday when I get to heaven, I want to talk to that guy. I want to talk to the, the pastor who started this church and said, what were you praying for? Because I'm part of that bigger picture that God orchestrated um, to reach the kids of this community and now the globe. I mean, we have so many, I mean, Discoveryland is linked with Awana, and we're in Latin America and different locations. Like, we're part of a God-sized movement. I mean, how can you step out of that? How can you do it? You can't. You can't. You just stay with it. And, um, and it's not because of me. It's obviously, it's something in me. It's God moving within me. And, and the key thing for me and, and for any leader in children's ministry is, um, remember, it's not your ministry. It's God's ministry. And you've got to put it. Put your hand out there. I'm willing to do whatever you want. And at any day, he can take it from me. And I understand that the gifts, the creativity, the strategic playing, it's a gift from God. It's not me. It's a gift from God. The Resilient Disciples Podcast is powered by Awana. Awana is a global nonprofit organization dedicated to equipping leaders to reach kids with the gospel and engage them in lifelong discipleship. Awana is fueled by the generous support of individuals, churches, and organizations, as well as resources. Subscribe to the podcast today so you never miss an episode. Go to resilientdisciples.com for more resources and many more of these conversations. The podcast is mixed, edited, produced, and hosted by me, Ross Cochran. Our theme song is Fresh Air by Christian hip-hop artist Josiah Williams and hits by Jude. And thank you for listening. We'll talk to you next week.